Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football, with your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. Find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. Of course, I'm joined by Dan Lamagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. He's ready for hard knocks starting tonight. It's it's your night, Dan. Dan, it is your night. Buddy, I am stoked, man. You know, I got the cowboy swag on, ready for hard knocks after our show. Back from the beach, so I'm fresh and rejuvenated. Um, you know, Mrs. Lamagna is, uh, you know, making memories of like multiple vacations. Like it's over. It is like straight fantasy football right now i got my dynasty theory notebook john i know you're gonna plug our store in a little bit i got the vegas lions all mapped out some games highlighted as you can see so i'm ready like dynasty dfs best ball it's on i am focused coach's corner is going to be coming back by this weekend so i'm full 24 7 fantasy mode and that's my ramble the dog days of summer they're finally coming to an end here in terms of fantasy football so a few more weeks we finally kick off the regular season we are also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's going on, Mitch? What's up? I'm actually really happy that the Michael Thomas trade news kind of happened two hours ago because we were going to talk about him, but yes. usually that stuff drops while we're recording or the next day. So it's really nice that like we have a little bit of a notice this time. We have that little bit of a buffer. So that that is, I'm glad that you brought that up. That's perfect timing to get into one of the topics we want to talk about tonight. But just like Dan said, he's sporting the Dynasty Theory notebook over there. You can get that over at T Public, and it's Dynasty Theory. If you search fantasy football, we're one of the first things that pops up. But it's it's uh, T-shirts, hoodies, notebooks, wall art. There's so many things, and I keep saying we got to figure out the hat situation. But we're gonna get on that. And then tonight's show really it comes from the topics we constantly talk about in our Discord. And over the last week. The response from people that listen to the show has been tremendous. Hey, JB, can I get that link to the Discord? And we've had a nice little uptick, and I want to keep that going. One of the best compliments we got wasn't necessarily about any of the content. It was about the community that we're forming. And somebody said that's the best part of what we're doing. And I think for me, that was the greatest compliment we could have received. But I do like to think that we have some some good takes on our content as well. So let's get into that tonight, guys. We're talking about, you know, Dan, you phrased a polarizing players, but players that people either love or they hate. And it doesn't seem like there is a middle ground on any of these guys. And we could look at it in terms of ADP, in terms of trade value, in terms of production. But we're going to run through a few guys that just really popped out to us. Mitch, Dan, while we're talking, if you have somebody else you want to mention, go for it. Like I said, Dan, tonight's your night. Don't let anybody stop you. So, I love it, man. You put, put me in the cowboy zone tonight. Appreciate you. Of course. Now, one thing that we did not want to touch on tonight, and I said, guys, we're not doing it, quarterbacks, because it's going to be the same ones. Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, Jalen Hurts, what happens in Philly. So we're, we're going to go right into running backs tonight. I made a promise to the listeners and the viewers we're not going to spend time talking about those quarterbacks. So, Mitch, ADP-wise running back 17, mm. probably the most polarizing running back out there. 
None other than Joe Mixon, man. I think there's one that's a little bit more polarizing, but I'll bring him up later. But sorry. Now I have to start off every show with it. It's just a thing now. But my problem with Joe Mixon isn't really Joe Mixon anymore at this point. It's I'm not sure if Zach Taylor is a good head coach. But the one good thing that we know is if Joe Mixon is healthy, he is going to get all the volume he could possibly handle. And so on the, I've actually traded for a few shares in the last month. And what I plan to do with him, as soon as he gets good volume the first couple of games, he has one good game, I'm trading him in every single league. Because it's just me not believing that the Bengals will be able to keep running the ball, him being able to get rushing touchdowns, and then just how I see his dynasty value being next year. I just don't see him being a running back one. And then on top of that, that offense just wants to pass so much. And unless he's getting so many targets, which means either Chase isn't going to get him, Boyd isn't going to get him, and Higgins isn't going to get him, right? It's hard to see all four of those guys getting the monster targets that they're going to need to keep their value. So at this point, I just want him to have a couple good games so I can move him afterwards. Well, can I ask you, Mm -hmm. there is risk associated with going out to acquire a player because of what you think they can do at the beginning of the season. Yes. So you went out and acquired him. Yes. Hopefully it might've been at a discount because the person that has him may have drafted him one, two, three years ago, and they're not exactly thrilled. So what are you going to do if he goes out and 10 carries 37 yards, 12 carries 40 yards, couple targets here, there, uh, you know, God forbid tweaks an ankle, something. What do you do in that situation? That's a very fair question. I will say this. I went and got him before I found out all of the Bengals news from this offseason. So far in training camp, it's the offense looks horrible. And it's not one beat reporter saying it. It's every beat reporter and players on the team saying the offense just isn't good right now. And so knowing that, and we always have trepidation with the Bengals, right? They're the Bengals. And so while I did go out and get him then, like I'm not, I don't have take lock. If I make a trade and the next day something happens and that's going to change my value on the player, then my value was changed at that point. Like I don't believe in this pot committed fallacy that's out there to where, no, I paid however many first for this guy. I got to keep him for three years now. I just think that's a horrible way to play dynasty. I have actually witnessed firsthand the the one time that Mitch chooses not to be the most stubborn person in the room, I have actually witnessed, and I cannot remember the player offhand, where you've acquired them, then like a week later something happened, and it's not just a news blurb. Hey, this is happening in practice. It was actual news, like an injury or something. And you're like, okay, I'm shifting now. And that's the way that you need to approach Dynasty. It's constantly changing. And with news that pops up, you have to take that into account. And just like Mitch said, it isn't, oh, well, I took that player in the second round of a, a startup. Well, guess what? Now he's an eighth round pick or now he's, you know, whatever the case may be. Dan, have you been going out and acquiring Joe Mixon? Is he somebody that you've even been rostering? Because if I remember correctly, I don't think you're extremely high on the man. Yeah, I'm not extremely high. Out of the polarizing players you listed in our show night show notes tonight, JB, he is the one that I would say I'm maybe higher than consensus, but not necessarily by much because I'm not landing him anywhere. Um, I think you have him as an RB17 in the notes. I have him as like, for my rankings, as high as RB13, as low as 15. So like, I think I'm a, a little bit more glass half full 
Um, but in, in terms of my tiers, I'm almost in the exact same range as that. So we're, so we're in that range there. Mm-hmm. And I do like Mixon. I do like the Bengals offense. It's one of the offenses that I, I, I spoke about um, this offseason that I'm most intrigued by. To Mitch's point of, you know, he has that one good game. He'd look to move him. Mitch, I, I think what we're seeing in like these um, notes from beat reporters is an offense that's finding its way. Um, I've gotten through my O-line breakdowns, and this is an O-line that has potential, but a lot of transition. You know, there's a lot of guys moving positions, a lot of rookies that are competing. You got Burrow coming back off of an injury. You got Chase trying to find his way in the offense. Uzama, if they're involved in the tight end, coming off an injury. So it's it's an O-line that was the bottom of the National Football League a year ago that's still kind of at the bottom of the National Football League but has potential to, to, you know, advance. But I don't think that happens in camp. I don't think that happens right out of the gates to start the season. So it may be a little while, Mitch, before that game comes. But I do like Mixon. I'm not landing him. I say I'm maybe – I I guess if we're in the same tier, JB, you know, at consensus – Guys that I'm high on over consensus, I'm not going to get into them tonight, but I just wanted to throw some names out there that, guys, I am clearly over consensus because the guys we're going to talk to, I am not. I'm I'm on the opposite end. But Zach Moss, Damian Harris, and my boy Uncle Lenny Fournette, they're guys that I'm over consensus, and I'll be watching to see how that evolves this season. Actually, Damian Harris, we've talked about him in previous episodes. Dan has been pounding that drum. And I have to say that I am starting to get more on board with that take. And I don't, uh, somebody that really we're not going to dive into tonight, just because I don't think he's polarizing at all. I think most people, they had him a little bit lower. Positive reports are coming out. We even got a nice little blurb from Bill Belichick and he does not give praise lightly. Mm -hmm. So looking at that, I think people are starting to push him up a little bit more. And there's always the rumors that Sonny Michelle is going to get moved. And well, I think he's still going to be on the roster. But one thing I want to ask Dan, and this is something Mitch has talked about in previous episodes. So you think there is going to be that learning period and that transition from bad offensive line in Cincinnati to, I don't even want to say good, but a, a respectable NFL offensive line, right? So what happens if it takes several games that team, they fall short this year. And just like Mitch has been talking about, they have a new coach next year. They have a brand new system. And now you're looking at Joe Mixon, who's going to be you know, 26 at that point. And how do you look at the situation there? I don't see that happen because one thing about Cincinnati Bengals and their front office is they are very loyal to their head coach, even if that coach may not deserve that loyalty. Look how long they've kept previous head coaches. I think that his leash is going to be a little bit longer than the, you know, the NFL standard of three years. And I think, you know, you're going to hear people saying, Hey, you shouldn't have taken chase. You got to protect your boy Burrow. And, and they should have took that franchise lineman and, and they may be right. But I think the Bengals are going to look at this as, hey, we've got the weapons. We're not going to build this all in one year. Frank Pollock's going to come in there as the O-line coach. He coached in Dallas before. I think he's going to do a really good job with these guys. And they'll probably get better in the O-line even more so next year. But from a fantasy perspective, that O-line just gets to, you know, instead of the bottom of the barrel to maybe, you know, approaching top 20, just be serviceable enough to keep Burrow off his back. Uh, that Bengals offense has a lot of weapons. Chase should only get better. Mixon does need to stay healthy, but th- there's just so much talent there. I, I think they're going to put up points. Yeah, the reports are out there on Jamar Chase. Well, 
he isn't separating <laughs> in practice. Funny. Sell, sell, like we got to get out now. Uh, you know, give the kid a little bit of time. Mitch, before we move on, so these are the running backs we are going to take over Joe Mixon. If you have Joe Mixon, mm-hmm. you will trade him one for one. So I'm going to rattle through the first few because I think it's a given. But McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Saquon Barkley, Jonathan Taylor, Swift, Kamara, Chubb, Zeke. Keep going. Just keep going, man. Dobbins, <laughs> Najee Harris, Derek Henry, Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones. There's There is kind of where it hits, right? Kind of that Aaron Jones. You don't know what's going to happen for the year, but you – I mean, if I'm a contender this year, I would almost rather have Aaron Jones. I know dynasty value-wise, that's not the trade to make. But if I'm not a contender this year, I feel more comfortable with Aaron Jones than I do Joe Mixon. Yeah, I Mitch, think I think Mitch, 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 Mitch was just... one name too early. Mitch Wait. was one name too early. I wish he didn't say Aaron Jones and whatever the next name you threw out, JB. I think that would have been the sweet spot for Joe Mixon. Mitch, our listeners are sitting here right now. Mm-hmm. I'm getting texts. My phone's blowing up. Not really, but. Mitch, last week you were telling me to move Aaron Jones. Now, I did. Now, you should. But I'm also saying to move Joe Mixon. So, I mean, if you're moving one, you might as well move the other one, right? I'm just challenging you there. But it's let me okay. throw my... Let I need that. Let me throw one of my words out there. Pivot, pivot. Pivot. If you, if you have Joe Mixon, I firmly believe that you could move him for Aaron Jones Plus in a lot of situations. I think so too. Yes. I, and when we say this, uh, people in our Discord, it happens all the time on Twitter... Hey, JB, I tried this. It didn't work in this one league. Well, that's one league. That's one situation. But I think on the broader scale, we could mm-hmm. find something that works. Um, okay. Another running back that we want to look at. Oh, and really quick with Joe Mixon. Last year, guys, he only had four carries inside the five-yard line. Four. That's not a- surprising with that offense. No, no, no it, at all. But we have to believe there's a little bit of a rise there. Oh, right? yeah. And some of that was because of Gio Bernard, Joe Burrow. Both of those guys had more carries than Joe Mixon inside the five last year. So hopefully, yes, the offensive line is not great, but the volume's there. If he can stay healthy, let's get some more touches inside the five, which on average, I looked at this last year, they're about four times as valuable as a carry in between the 20 and 10 from a fantasy perspective. Mm -hmm. Every carry inside the five on average is worth about two fantasy points. All right, Dan? That O line was broken last year, JB. I wouldn't wish you behind it's that O line, man. Better, you know, it it is a little bit better. But like Mixon was broken, and you don't want to put damaged goods behind that O line a year ago. Burrow was out, like that was just a train wreck. So to your point, JB, you're right. It's going, it's rising up. Yeah. So the, the four carries, and then we have to assume this about a seventy percent workload for running back opportunities between targets and carries. So, so I, I'm laughing over here because earlier John was like, you know. We could do this in 40 minutes. I'm like, dude, you have 15 people on the list. And I'm looking at the clock here. We've gone through one running back, and it's been 15 minutes. I'm sorry, Dan. I think you're going to be late for hard knocks. No, no. We're going to get him out of here on time. Don't you guys worry. Um, (laughs) So looking at another running back, uh, Miles Sanders, third year back. And let's lump him and Jacobs together because according to ADP, they're running back 21 and 22 and think like all the time we're sitting there as fantasy managers, as dynasty managers. Well, we got to get out from under these running backs when they get to 26 years old, because 27 hits, they start to lose value. Da, 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 da. And then it's like, well, are 
you know, they're, they're 24, but are they going to get that second contract? I'm not really sure. And that's what we talked about with like Kamara, Dalvin, Mixon, Derrick Henry, and, and that group. And now we're looking at Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs. If you would tell me this is your, their points per game over the last two years, whenever, you know, when you drafted them initially, you'd be happy. And it's just so crazy when we look at things today, entering their third year, they're what, 23, 24 years old. And we're already throwing these guys away. And I'm guilty of this because as I'm saying this, I am lower than consensus on Josh Jacobs. And I know a lot of people, they don't want to take into consideration Kenyon Drake. Oh, he's rubbish. He's not really going to impact him. Well, that contract says otherwise. The, uh, the ability that he has shown in college to catch the ball. Well, John Gruden, that offense, they have not utilized him in the passing game. So we have that cap ceiling. We have Kenyon Drake who comes in, who has taken a ton of carries inside the five yard line. I think we see that a little bit more this year and Josh Jacobs, his share comes down, but enough of me rambling. I'm talking about Josh Jacobs there, Mitch, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, pick one. Do you like either above consensus are you out on both? You're below consensus. I mean, <clears throat> holy crap. You, what is he drinking tonight? I, it, Are you dude, I don't know. There's something wrong with me. I swear there's no, something wrong with me. It, it has to be like, is the air like very dry where you it's are? smoky. So the forest fires over here, oh, they're horrible. Okay. Like we have right. mountains all around us here in Utah. Like I can't see the mountains. Right. It's weird. It's like living in a dome, okay. but so here's kind of the funny thing is I have Miles Sanders written up, right? And I'm like, look, Boston Scott's going to get a lot of work. Every, the training camp guys, the beat reporters are just saying they're all splitting touches. Miles Sanders is still dropping balls. So just expect the exact same thing we got previous years. He's just going to split work. And then I look at Josh Jacobs and I'm like, he is going to split work with Kenyon Drake but I kind of know what Josh Jacobs is, right? Like I feel more confident that I'm going to know each week what Josh Jacobs is going to do to where with Miles Sanders, I don't even know if he's going to get red zone work over Boston Scott, you know? And I worry that maybe he ends up losing receiving work to gain well, even though we know like Jacobs isn't going to ever get receiving work in that offense. And so where both of these are at, I think it's weird that I'm a little bit higher on Jacobs, but I think it's because I just feel a little bit more safe knowing he's going to get most of the work. I know Drake's going to come in. He's going to get more carries, you know, or going to get carries compared to whoever they had in their last year. But I think Jacobs is just a little bit safer. Safer, but challenge. I don't like but, either of them. Wait, but you wait. said pick one, so I had to pick Jacobs. I know. Well, I said, or are you below consensus on both? But before we okay. get to Dan's challenge flag, when you look at the splits for Josh Jacobs, whenever that Raiders team was winning versus when they were losing, well, yeah, there there's a difference there. So that's going to be with any running back that doesn't get passing volume, though. But to say he's safer, I don't know if that's true. Oh, he's, he's safer be the than the easiest challenge ever. J- JB's already approved my challenge. Before he's even heard my side, I think Dan, like, Dan, take hey, it away. Challenge flag approved. So I don't know if John strategically like lined these guys up in the order of Mixon, Sanders, and Jacobs on the show notes tonight or not. But I, I love the order because you know Mixon, I had the gas pedal on. You know, definitely for him, even though I'm not necessarily landing him. Miles Sanders, I kind of have in neutral there. He's right where I have him at JB's rank of RB twenty one. 
but I'm still fading him for other positions and landing running backs lower that I'm, I'm I end up very happy with. You know, I'm fading him to take a, a better receiver and then getting the running back I, I'm just as happy with later. And that strategy seems to be working. Like the but, Damian Harris that you've been talking about. Yeah, the Damian Harris types. You know, I land with them and, and life is good. Um, I like Sanders' talent. I, I do see Mitch's concerns of all of the kind of cluster of shared carries there in Philadelphia. But where I think I disagree and I throw the challenge flag with Jacobs is the O-line. Sanders O-line, if that Eagles line is healthy, you've got a talented running back behind a very good O-line. At least I think there's a chance there maybe that Sanders rises to something. You know, we know there's going to be guys that perform this year. We'll be like, what the heck were those beat reporters telling us? You know, and and maybe Miles is someone that could rise above a little. Jacobs, I'm definitely lower the consensus. JB, you had him at RB22. I have him at RB25. And I am fading him big time for other positions and landing other running backs and happy with that. This Raiders O-line, I'm I'm really curious about Vegas this year because they went from a good O-line to below average. And like, like I don't know how you could just wish or will that this O-line is going to be fixed. And then, you, you know, they're putting a lot on car this year. I think the Vegas is, is my dysfunction dysfunctional team of the year. And I think the risk is higher with that O-line plus Kenyon Drake plus – they're going to be behind in games and Jacobs isn't getting passing work. Um, I, I don't feel safe with that O-line. It's true. And honestly, Mitch. it could just be because I think the Raiders are going to end up being a better offense. Like they have Waller. Like Waller's missed the practices. Just I'm just assuming that he's going to be healthy for the season. They have him. I think their wide receivers are just as good as what the Eagles have. I mean, I know they have Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith's a stud. Outside of him, there's nothing for the Eagles um Raiders at least have some talent John Brown's not bad who knows about Brian Edwards Henry Ruggs can do everything that Jalen Rager can and so when I'm looking at the offenses like as much as I'm not a Derek Carr fan Derek Carr is still a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts will probably ever be and so it's just kind of buying into that offense a little bit more so maybe that's why I'm saying Jacobs is a little bit safer because I can actually see him getting red zone work compared to Man, I hope that Eagles team is good. Like, I really do, because I think it could be fun to watch. But that team could be so bad. Like, really, really bad. So your your bet is more, just to sum up, your bet is more on the Raiders offense over the Eagles offense. Yeah, that would have been a way better way to preface this, you know, 10 minutes ago. But, you know. No, no, we're, hey, I, I always ramble, so it's good to see somebody else uh, suck up a lot of the win there. When you're looking at these guys, Miles Sanders and Josh Jacobs, however you have them today – ranked dynasty wise and we always talk about with dynasty yes it's the long-term game but what happens here in 2021 is going to be pivotal and a lot of these especially running backs and their values so miles sanders josh jacobs depending on how things go with david montgomery if you don't have him above them now i think he leapfrogs them uh trey sermon trey sermon very well could leapfrog them heck Miles Sanders or Miles Sanders. I'm th- Miles Sanders can leapfrog Miles Sanders. Miles Gaskin could potentially though. Let's say he gets a bulk of the work and now we see it two years in a row. Yeah. You throw in the draft capital argument. I get it. But if he really shows out this year, you, you don't No, No, I'm not. You're not. I, you're saying you won't. I'm the only reason why I'm saying I won't is because I've seen Chris Carson. Chris Carson is an amazing running back. His value has never gained right, no matter what. Right. And so that's the only thing like 
draft capital is so huge in the dynasty community. Like Miles Gaskin could be running back eight on the year. I don't think his value goes up, to be honest. The only other one below based on age, and this is strictly from value and what we see here in 2021, you're, I'm running down the list. I, I don't think realistically Damien Harris is going to jump up that much. Chase Edmonds, Leonard Fournette, Daryl Henderson, Zach Moss. I think he's the one. It, it Again, it depends on the season he has. That I'm not saying it's going to be a great season because I personally don't think so. But based on his age, his draft capital, if he outperformed either Josh Jacobs and or Miles Sanders in 2021, there's nothing to believe, no reason to think that he could not have a higher dynasty value than those two. And I think that's fair to say, right? Yeah, in that offense, I could see it. And if he just performs as well as them, at where you're getting him ADP-wise, I'm just going to sit back here on Dynasty Theory with my legs up and my beverage, JB, and just celebrate with you guys. And I think that could realistically happen. And here's the thing. Either he matches them production-wise and they all have horrendous seasons, or they all land in that running back two range. Again, this is if Zach Moss keeps pace with them. Then again, his value is going to rise. If Josh Jacobs is running back 24 on the season per game this year, his value is not rising in Dynasty. Same with Miles Sanders. Same with uh, Aaron Jones. You know, that range there. Uh, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams, they're in the mix, but they certainly could rise, and I would expect them to after the 2021 season. But there's just a lot going on with these running backs. So wrapping up the running backs here, Mitch, you already said, yeah, you've acquired some Joe Mixon, but if he pops off early in the season, you're looking to move. Is that the case with both Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders if you have either rostered? I don't have either rostered because I was already kind of low on them. So yeah, I wouldn't be out trying to acquire him now. That's for sure. Yeah, I I am in the same boat here. I have been trying to go out, not trying, but I've, I've been able to work a few trades involving Miles Sanders. It just happened. And I, I am in the same boat in terms of the Joe Mixon take. If Jacobs pops early in the season, I, I, I'm not committed long-term. And Miles Sanders as well. So those are three polarizing guys, people that love them or hate them. But based on what we could see strictly from 2021, their values could take a tremendous hit. So if we can see something early in the season from any of them, let's ship them out. Right. All right. I'm getting nods there. All right. Wide receivers, Jamar chase. We talked about him not being able to separate here. He's coming in wide receiver nine. This is from Rotoviz ADP, Mitch, uh, I, I know you subscribe to them and I do. Yeah. It's been a great subscription to get to. They've done their tools are really, really good for the game splits and everything. This isn't even a paid plug, by the way, yeah. I promise it's not even a paid plug, but they, they do have a lot of good uh, resources there that are available. So Jamar chase wide receiver nine, Dan fair foul. What do you think? That's totally fair. I mean, I have maybe a few spots lower JB, but I could easily see him where you have him at nine. I like him a lot. I don't want to say I love him. He's not up to Amari Cooper status yet, but I, I definitely like him. I've had mixed results obtaining him. You know, again, there's always that one owner that's super high and you're not going to get him, but I've definitely received my shares. I'm not concerned about any of the camp reports. You got a guy that's been, a, you know, removed from football for a year and learning the NFL game. I'm a better, I'm going to bet on talent and uh, I love where you have him. So I would say, you know, maybe not above consensus, but definitely on him. I was just going to say the real quick thing on Chase is if you're like Dan and you're buying into that Bengals offense, 
he is the one wide receiver who I think can cement himself in the first round of startups next year because he has the draft capital. He has the draft pedigree that everybody loves on Twitter. So if he goes out and he has a season that all the projections have him at, you know, he goes out, gets, you know, less than what Jefferson had last year, but you know, a good rookie year like that, I think he'll be cemented in the first round of startups next year. And it's just, I'd say first round of, one quarterback maybe super flex just because I don't think there's any wide receivers right now really going in the first round of startups. There isn't now, but I think Jamar Chase could break that. We've seen times where we see Jefferson go once. We see DK Metcalf go once. We see, you know, guys like that go. I think there's a chance to where he could just put himself there. These really good running backs are getting a little bit older, right? What if we don't see a huge year from DeAndre Swift? And so he doesn't jump in in the first round. Uh, maybe Jonathan Taylor doesn't have the great year and he slips a little bit. And then we're a year older on Barkley and Cook and McCaffrey. I'm just saying there's a chance if there's going to be one wide receiver that could do it, I think it's going to be Chase. I really don't have much Jamar Chase across my dynasty portfolio because everybody, everybody knows this. The way we attack the wide receiver position, we rarely get those high value, high tier players. And that's what Jamar Chase is. So we haven't seen him step up on an NFL field in a game yet, but because of the the perception within the dynasty community, his value is a top 10 receiver. So that is more than fair. And here's the only thing with Jamar Chase. I'll say, Mitch, you think there's a good chance depending on the 2021 season that he could cement himself in that back end of the first early second uh, in super flex startups this time next year. For me, I think out of all the receivers and even running backs, I think he has the most insulated value from now until next season, because let's say he underperforms. There are going to be those excuses. Well, it's been over a year. Uh, the Bengals offense, there's dysfunction, that offensive line. Joe Burrow wasn't quite a hundred percent. Zach Taylor on that offense. They're still getting everything together. So while he could go out there and have an average season, let's say he goes out, puts up 900 yards with that extra game this year. And while it isn't earth shattering, I do believe he might not be wide receiver nine, but 12, 13. So he has that insulated value. We always talk about insulated value on the show. Typically it comes with draft picks, but Jamar Chase, unless he goes out there and has a Jalen Rager type rookie season, a Henry Ruggs rookie season. I I think he's going to have that insulated value. So I'm okay going out and acquire him now, at least ask the manager that has him. Now, if they're coming at you, Hey, I want uh, CD lamb plus I want Jefferson. uh, What are you, what are you, what are you smoking over there? What are you, what are you doing? I don't know. A little questionable. So I'm certainly okay. Asking what the price is, just because I do believe he maintains that regardless. But like Mitch said, we could be talking about a top two, three, four dynasty receiver this time next year. Yeah, he projects with a, such a high ceiling. I mean, he was a guy, we were in those rookie drafts. We were amped on him. I remember around draft time with Scott Connor, dynasty and chill there. He was all big mm-hmm. on his Bengals. And 
Like again, the, the talent is there at this offense. Am I fully convinced with the the head coach as offensive coordinator? No, I'm not fully convinced and confident yet at this point. Um, you know, so like I said, in normal with in normal situations, Mitch, he probably would be on a hot seat. I just don't think it's going to be that soon with the Bengals. I think you're right, JB. There is that little bit of insulation built in. He, but if Chase finishes strong, look out next year. You know, and then give them an off season to do some things. So there's a lot of upside there. I think you, you have him right where he should be. Within the realistic range of outcomes, and we always talk about that as well, Jamar Chase, I think there's a better chance he's top five in terms of wide receivers next year for dynasty purposes than outside the top 15. I truly believe that. And again, this is not, it's not me sitting here making this, this uh, proclamation, if you will. Oh, because I have 50% roster ship. I, I don't even think I've won. But I, I truly do believe that with Jamar Chase. That's what we're looking at here. All right, DJ Moore. For I, I gotta give me the challenge flag, Dan, because the ADP and this it's a rolling like four weeks I pulled. DJ Moore wide receiver 12. I don't know if I've seen him there too often, but I in an existing league, I think he's still being valued as such. I do. There's always DJ more love from somebody in our drafts. I have him at 14 personally. Um, I do try to get him where I can. I'm all about DJ Moore. He's still very young, very talented. Um, sometimes I get him, sometimes I don't. And I think it's he's very similar to Jamar Chase in some ways. They have very interesting uh, scenarios of how those teams are going to do. The Panthers' O line might be as might even be worse than the Bengals. I don't know. I can't believe I'm saying this. And I'm 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 just as high as I've been on the Panthers this offseason as I dig closer here. I'm I'm a little worried. Like Sam Darnold's blind side is not that safe, guys. And um, you know, we're, we're trying to build confidence in Sam Darnold here, who's coming from a you know, hasn't really lit the word world on fire and has been given a second life. So um like him where you have him here, JB. Like I said, a couple spots back at wide receiver 14 for me. I do like to obtain him again, bet on talent. I like what the Carolina Panthers organization is doing, but they're in that same kind of boat as the Bengals. They're not all the way there yet. I'm just hoping they get there enough this year for fantasy football purposes. I agree on a few things that you said, Dan, because like, it's funny you bring up his offensive line, right? Cause where's Christian McCaffrey? He's the running back one without a shadow of a doubt. Saquon Barkley, anyone brings him up. They're like, well, you know, that offensive line, it's not very good. And I'm like, but we like Christian McCaffrey. But anyways, that's going off on a different tangent. But you were also right when you said there's just someone in the league that likes DJ Moore. I mean, I have a lot of dynasty leagues now, and every single league, the person that has DJ Moore loves DJ Moore. And if you have him on your team, he is probably one of the guys that I get the most offers for if he just happens to be on one of my teams. And I'm not extremely high on him. You know, I like him where he's at but there's always someone that's going to be willing to come out and get him. So I bet by the time the season ends, I'm probably not going to have him on any team because there's just going to be someone that's going to be willing to come out and pay that little extra for him compared they would to any other wide receiver that's in his range. DJ Moore, because of where he is going in, in startups and his overall dynasty value. And just like you two said, there's always that, at least that one manager in your league that really likes DJ Moore if I have any shares, I'm trying to ship him off. And, and again, this is just kind of my wide receiver sentiment, which everybody is 
already familiar with. But if I can get a future first and like a pair of seconds in a 12-team league, I'm on board with that. And a lot of it comes down to how do I believe these guys are going to do in the immediate future. DJ Moore, I would be surprised if he puts up wide receiver one numbers. And a lot of people, Twitter, Discord, podcast, whatever the case may be, yeah, he's only had 10 touchdowns in three years, but he's got to go back. He's got to get back to the mean, the mean, the the mean. Okay, what's his mean? What's his average? Because it's not very good. It's 3.33 over the last three years, and you look at his touchdown percentage, it is so low. So everybody wants to bash Sam Darnold and say, well, he's not any good. And now you're looking at DJ Moore and you're saying, well, his touchdown rate's got to be higher than it was. Why? Why does it have to be? Especially if that offensive line struggles, Terrace Marshall's getting work out of the slot. You have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson out wide. You're going to bet on Sam Darnold, who everybody hates, and on that bet on that offensive line that he's going to be able to get the ball to DJ Moore and make things happen down the field, even though DJ Moore typically is very good after the catch. I'm not buying the fact that that touchdown rate is going to increase. I'm just not buying it. Robbie Anderson right now, they're putting him in better positions than they are DJ Moore in that offense. Robbie Anderson came in and they used him as the wide receiver one. What we were hoping DJ Moore was. Maybe the switches this year, but Darnold's already played with yep. Anderson. So you have that going against Moore already. So I just, I have a really hard time with him. Although, like like I said, I'm okay with having DJ Moore on my teams at his value. But if anyone's going to come give me just a little bit extra, he's gone in a heartbeat. To where there's some other wide receivers in that range, I think Godwin is probably close to him, right? I would guess. I mean, I'm probably not moving off Godwin as, unless someone is really willing to pay me for him. Would you take Juju plus? I would. I went with Juju. Juju is just that one wide receiver where I don't think that value is there with him. It's not, but you're not losing really anything on a on a weekly per game basis. Oh, I completely agree. Like per game, I wouldn't be shocked if Juju outscores him this year. But it's just I think Juju is so far down on dynasty value right now that I don't know if I'd make that trade for Juju. If the plus is enough, I would. So it really depends what that plus is. If it's something that just helps my roster, has a little some dynasty value, like not just some cheap late draft throw in. Juju in a second. Juju in a twenty twenty two second in super flex leagues. Twelve team. Twelve team. A second. You're getting a top twenty four player next year with Juju, who's you know I think the hope next year is either Pittsburgh kind of extends this thing somehow, or he goes somewhere really good. He's going to be attractive on the free agent market. Uh, so I, I would do that, JB. That would be enough. Nothing lower than that, I think, would be my point. What about Woods plus? Cup plus? I'd be on board with that as well. Oh, I would do Cup in heartbeat. Yep. Yeah, even Boyd plus. Again, you're losing minimally on a per-game basis, mm-hmm. getting that insulated value with that draft pick, and then having a wide receiver that can still fill the void there with DJ Moore gone from your roster. So I think those are just possible options, but uh, it seems like all of us – we're, we would not describe ourselves as that manager in the league that absolutely no. loves DJ Moore. <laughs> not necessarily anti, because uh, Dan, you had him in that 14 range. I have him like 16 to 18 tier. So not far removed from that wide receiver 12 ADP, but and, certainly not absolutely in love with him. Uh, and give me Just give me an asterisk though there, JB, because I am in love with DJ Moore. I'm not in love with DJ Moore's situation right now. And that's yeah, fair. You know, the, the talent I think is 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 there. There's just to, to your point of him not being a wide receiver one probably this year, maybe right because 
you know, you're going to see a lot of Robbie Anderson, as, as Mitch says. I do believe Dan Arnold has a role in that offense. I think they're even going to try to ball control it a little bit. You're going to see a little bit, not only CMC, but maybe a little Chubba, Chubba Hubbard there behind him, man. All so, right, I'm going to get hot takes. There's a lot of weapons. Chuba, Chuba Hubbard. Everybody like know. This is a little hot takey. I'm just going to say it. We just move on. If Jacoby Myers was in the same position that DJ Moore does, he would put up the exact same fantasy points that DJ Moore does. That's all I'm going to say. See, I'm not necessarily agreeing with it, but I like the way you phrase that. I think in the Discord, when you mentioned that earlier, you mentioned one, you were like, so-and-so is better than somebody else. If you would have said that, I would have said that. That was in the confidential chat. That was just me getting a choy a little bit. Uh, that's it. That's it. No, <laughs> the way you phrased it there, I actually don't have an issue with it. If you would have come out and said he's better than DJ Moore, I would have said, uh, Mitch, you're relieved of your duties for the rest of the night. Uh, yes, yes. Okay. The showers yeah. there. So I, I, I can actually buy that. All right. So last player we want to talk about, Dan, we're going to get you out of here on time. We're going to skip tight ends tonight because we do have one quick thing to talk about after this player. But this is somebody that came up in the Discord chat. Yes. We've talked about him. We've talked about him on guest spots. We've talked about him in the Discord. But Michael Thomas, and yes, the news came out today, very misleading at first. A lot of people, Michael Thomas requests a trade. This is why I always say, look at more than the headline, because I fell victim to it. I jumped in the Discord and said, guys, Michael Thomas requested a a trade. And Mitch shared the video, and I was like, I'm going to delete that message because that's (laughs) not exactly what happened. But there is unhappiness there, you know, talking about the contract situation. Could another team take on that dead cap? There's a lot going on there. But Michael Thomas, Mitch, quick hitter here. How comfortable are you with like a one-for-one swap? How far down do you go if you're moving him or acquiring? Because I I think... So I'm actually going to switch this up on you a little bit because I'm not trading him. And so the reason for this is I think his value's depressed well below where his talent is. Wait, and you I think, and I just moved him in a co-manage league last week. What did we move him for, though? Robert Woods. Okay, then. <laughs> but the reason why I say that is because I think he could be the Larry Fitzgerald of the next six years to where he is someone who doesn't have that extreme value. But every single year, all he has to do is play in the slot. He knows how to play in the slot and he could do exactly what Larry Fitzgerald did for 10 years in Arizona and be perfectly fantasy viable because the issue is, I don't know if you could even get Robert Woods at this point because everybody sees the social media aspect of it. Everyone's worried about the next Antonio Brown thing happening to where you just have a wide receiver just go off and then maybe he just retires. And so I just don't want to move him for someone like, Oh, no one's even coming to my head right now, but... What about Michael Gallup? Yeah, see, I wouldn't move him for Gallup, but I think that's the kind of guy... Uh, Tyler Boyd. I wouldn't do it for Tyler Boyd either. I would. I know, right? But that's kind of where you're looking, and like, I just can't move Michael Thomas for that. And so, on that point, I'm just going to keep him on my teams right now. Now, let me ask you, because it kind of goes hand in hand with what you said for Joe Mixon. If he sits on the pop list, which is now expected, so six games mm-hmm. he could miss, he comes back, he has a splash game or two. Would you look to jump ship then, if possible? I'm not saying just give him away. If the offers come streaming in, but I don't know if the offers are going to come streaming in for a wide receiver like that. You know? Okay. It's That's just fair. like wide receivers are so hard to move. And on the teams that I do have him, 
I have another three wide receivers I could start. So I'm not worried about that for six weeks if that's how long that it takes. Dan, if people share Mitch's thoughts and sentiments, hey, his value is completely depressed right now. Would you go out and look to acquire Michael Thomas on a team that, heck, it doesn't even have to be contending because if you have that four or five year outlook like Mitch does, you could even take him on as a rebuilding team if somebody's really low on him. Yeah, and, and I did try that, you know, when this kind of all surfaced. And Dan, Dan's throwing 50 fab dollars out. <laughs> Man, you know, I want the fab, JB. I want the fab. Sorry. But uh, I was able to acquire my first share of Mike Thomas for whatever rhyme or reason. Mike Thomas wasn't in my, my roster builds. And I threw some offers out, got declined of many. But I was able to score one, as many people did have Thomas on the block at that time. And I gave up a guy that I'm, I'm very high on, but I gave up Darnell Mooney. I noticed a couple guys in our Discord there that'll yell me in a in a second round pick next year for Michael Thomas. So that's right? you know, that ceiling is just thrilled. so high for Michael Thomas. Yeah, <laughs> that's my I whole point here. That's because a great it, trade, Dan. If you miss on that trade, it's not going to kill you, but it does give yep. you that upside of a top six receiver. So I, yep. the risk far outweighs. Strike that. Reverse it. The reward. Far outweighs the risk. I have him with all the with the injury and all the drama surrounding him right now in that wide receiver twenty three range. I'm still lower than that. I do believe he's going to resurface and he's going to have a good rest of his career. I do think there's a story that's going to come out somewhere. I don't know what that story is. There's definitely something not right. You know, is he just close with Sean Payton and doesn't want to? He's holding his he's biting his mouth because he's not a he's not a quiet guy. You know, I think about it, like, wasn't it like a couple years ago, Devontae Parker was mouthing off and he blasted him on Twitter and said, I'm the number one receiver and kind of went off on Devontae Parker. So I know he's not a quiet guy, but he's kind of being really quiet right now. And I don't know, something's not adding up, but I, I wouldn't mind having him for the right price. For the right price. Um, uh, overall, so I'm certainly on the move Michael Thomas train. If if you can get top 30 receiver, I'm still okay with that. And if you're not able to get that, I think it's okay to say I'm going to hold. Have you had any situations, Mitch, where you've added to Michael Thomas to upgrade a receiver? Again, it doesn't always have to be, I'm just moving Michael Thomas. Maybe you could package him with something. Not that I can remember right now. I've done a ton of trades the last three weeks. Dynasty's really picked up. Like it, You could tell people leading into the next segment are starting to come back. And so on that, I've had a lot of trades. I might've traded away, might've got a Michael Thomas since then, but there's not one that actually comes to my mind. I'd like are, to leave it off. I think you guys, uh, summed, we have the perfect segue. Sorry, right. sorry. I had to get this last point out, but you summed it up. I need to go one tier above Darnell Mooney and Michael Gallup to move Michael Thomas and you had Robert Woods in that tier, you know, the Juju's I need a receiver in that tier to, to want to move him. So on that, where were you going, gentlemen? Well, Michael Thomas behind us. And hopefully that answered the, the discord questions a little bit of time there on Michael Thomas, wrapping that up. Hopefully this is the last time we talk about Michael Thomas, but I have a feeling there's going to be some developments over the next month that there's going to be something to talk about. So he's going to creep back, but Mitch, you had the perfect segue. League mates are finally coming back. This might be the first time really since the offseason kicked off or the you would think the rookie draft. We've had league mates say they've they've appeared after the draft finished. This is not a joke. Multiple mm-hmm. times. 
I did not know the rookie draft was happening. Yep. Uh, and multiple leagues. And then that was the only message we had. And the person still, people were still in the leagues. So they either have not been active since the rookie draft. So a few months have passed. If you were in like a safe league that happened the week after the draft or they didn't show up for the rookie draft. So they really haven't been paying attention since December and probably November, because if they're not paying attention, they're probably not in the playoffs. I think that's fair to say. So the, 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 the idea here, working with league mates as potential trade partners that really have not been engaged throughout the offseason, but they're kind of trickling back in here. One, how do you work with a manager like that? And Mitch, I want to start with you. But then, like, you have to assume negotiations are a little tough because they're probably not the most active of managers, even though they have come back to the league. Yeah, that's a really good point. So. When with those type of managers, you can't go out and try to get Michael Thomas. You can't go out and try to get Barkley or Juju because in their minds, their value is still as high as it ever was. And so when I see owners like that, I'm looking for the guys that I'm personally higher on that maybe didn't hit that high value during the season last year. So like Michael Pittman, right? Someone that Dan's huge about. Most of the dynasty owners that aren't active, they have no idea what Michael Pittman's value is right now. Um, Deontay Johnson is the same for me. Um, Hawkinson, I think Hawkinson, a lot of people who haven't been around probably still have him around tight end six, tight end seven. To where for me, he's locked in at tight end four, and I will pay tight end four price every day for it. You have him at tight end four? I do. Four, or five. Five, five okay. sorry. Okay, all right. Yeah. I was gonna he's say, actually Dave. in the same tier as Waller, to be honest with you. I know. I know. Uh, Wrap up your thought here. Anyways, that that was just my thought is go for guys like that. Guys that went up a little bit in value this offseason compared to the super elite studs that they're never going to want to trade because they think they're still the super elite studs. I think Ezekiel Elliott fits in that same mold too. The the more difficult trade targets are those ones with the name recognition more than anything else. Uh, you know, if it was somebody that was around during the whole Aaron Rodgers saga before he reported back, you weren't getting him in a discount. Hey, that's Aaron Rodgers. That's my stud quarterback. I'm not moving him for a discount. So just like Mitch said, I completely agree. I think it is easier to go out, work with those managers, acquire players that have been lowly valued, don't have the name recognition and have gained some value as opposed to the real top tier players that in our eyes and a lot of the dynasty community that's active and degenerates like ourselves, uh, Joe Mixon, he's not, he's not a top six running back. Well, you know, Frank took him at top six, two years ago. He's still top six to him. Uh, you know, arbitrary name there, Frank, just a, just generic name. Dan, do you have any additional thoughts here on this topic? Just quick, I, mean, I like what Mitch said. He, he, he's he got me thinking of, you know, trying to find some different angles as I have been trying to send out a lot of offers to some of the gentlemen in our, our leagues that have not been active and I'm trying to rekindle that that flame there. Um, so I think maybe I, I need to lower my expectations with, with some of the names. Uh, you mentioned someone missing a rookie draft. I think the commissioner ought to, you know, consider expulsion at that point there. That's like... Uh, no, you know, no contact, no nothing. Something's missing, you know, and it, it might be someone we love. So I apologize if you're, if you're, you're one of our crew, but man, you, you can't be that far out. But there are some, some, uh, our league mates who we love. Like I try to think, okay, were they really active during the season last year? It's like, okay, we know they're going to come around. Everyone has a different strategy where they're not always active. So I just try to keep that, you know, flame lit. So when they are ready, 
we've got a good working relationship and, and hopefully we can find a deal that, that helps both of our, our teams there. But uh, for those that are just way in inactive, man, we got to just say some prayers to like the fantasy gods that they become a little more active for us degenerates, as you, you mentioned, JB, because we just don't shut off, but uh, be persistent, hang in there. And hopefully those guys pick up their activity very soon. When I was thinking about this earlier today to wrap up the show, this will be my final thought, but I was thinking, gotta hit the button. Oh, oh, hold on. Where is it? Final thoughts. So for my final thought, I don't always have one, but I, when I was putting this together, I was actually thinking there are a lot of people that have so much going on in their lives and like n- not even to joke about it all, but like there's so much going on in the world today. And a lot of people have things that they are dealing with and a hundred percent get that. But then if all is well in your life, people have things that are certainly more important than fantasy football. For me, I was really struggling. Family, my job, that's about it. My health even comes after fantasy football. So you <laughs> have our it, priorities, man. Yeah, like like it is like number three, maybe even a two B. Don't tell my wife I said that. But uh, yeah, everybody has certainly different timelines. Their availability, job, personalized. We get it. And that's one of the reasons we hope people tune in every week because we're here to update you. And if you're in the discord, we send out that dynasty theory daily. We've been going on three weeks. I'm blasting that out on Instagram out to the patrons and we've gotten great feedback because people miss news, but we're trying to keep people update and we're scanning Twitter, scanning those beat reporters and getting that information out to people so they don't have to do it themselves because certainly they have things that are more important than fantasy football. And I get that. I get that. Just, not my style. All right, Mitch, final thought. What do you got? All right, mine was just going to be, we're kind of entering in the echo chamber that is redraft football right now, right? And so you're going to hear the same takes over and over. Oh, this offense sucks. You don't want the running back in this offense. Oh, this other one's terrible. You don't want the wide receivers. My opinion, there's always offenses that are talked terribly about in the preseason that all of a sudden, all they have to be is okay. If they're okay, there's going to be good fantasy contributors. And so I think it's a really good plan to do that now because when we're in redraft mode, all of those other guys get knocked down a little bit. What I'm going to point out is the Patriots. The Patriots with a healthy Cam Newton last year, their offense was okay. I think with a healthy Cam Newton, and if he's horrible, Mac Jones could come in, it's going to be better than it was last year. They've upgraded the pass catchers. They've upgraded the tight ends. Damian Harris is really good. The offensive line is supposed to be absolutely top five legit this year and so but no one talks about them because oh you know they don't look on projections so just that's why i brought up jacoby myers a little bit earlier because it's just kind of in my head to where like maybe one or two of these guys is actually going to exceed value and if you're on them early then it's going to be extremely easy to acquire them Last year, I remember specifically asking the question, what's the one fantasy, what's the one NFL team for fantasy purposes people hate to watch? For me, it was the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Like whenever they would pop up on red zone, I'm like, oh, let I me, remember that. Yeah. All right, bathroom break time real quick. All right, Dan, we're getting you out of here on time. Final thoughts heading into hard knocks for your team, the Dallas Cowboys. Literally just in the nick of time, I said, JB, 955, and I will be signing off at 955. <laughs> Final thoughts. Coach's Corner returns this weekend. I'll announce times later in the week. We're approaching the, I know, you know, JB and Mitch is constantly putting out different dynasty content over there in the, in the discord. Look out for that. I know redraft season's coming as well. I'm probably gonna do a coach's corner on some redraft with little Scott fishbowl spin in there and then some DFS content coming up. I've been ramping up my DFS study. And so look out for that. 
Now it's time to go watch America's team on Hard Knocks. JB, Mitch, and our audience, I love you. Oh, he really is. <laughs> he <out>. just bounced. <laughs> here, we have, we have to jump over here because you can see the the uh, overlay here. Well, anyway, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Dynasty Theory FF. If you're watching on YouTube, you see at the bottom of the screen, use promo code Theory for an instant $25 deposit bonus at Underdog Fantasy. We've had a lot of fun best ball drafts with people we know. And after the season, I'm sure they want to say they whooped our butts in those. Uh, merchandise T Public, Discord, and the Patreon links are at the bottom of the screen on YouTube in the description and whatever platform you typically listen to the podcast. All right, guys, with two of us here, we're out. Have a great night. See you next week.